What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 36 of the Deep Ball Gridiron Edition. I'm your host, Anthony Paleo, joined, of course, by my co-host, Corey Lickman at Core. I mean, we're a week away, man. College football starts tomorrow. I'm psyched. Let's get it right into this, right? Yeah, uh, pretty excited to get another episode in, talk some uh, NFL, and good to be back on the on the college wave. So let's get to it. Yeah, but before we get into that college wave core, we have to talk about our NFL cut day it was just yesterday, and unfortunately, though, even before yesterday, the last preseason weekend was Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and unfortunately for some teams, they weren't able to escape without injury. The biggest injury, J.K. Dobbins tears his ACL out for the year, former second-round pick out of Ohio State. Big things in his future are going to be put on hold in a little bit. I know the Ravens are definitely counting on him to step into that lead-back role. They got rid of Mark Ingram this past offseason. Even down the stretch last year, Dobbins was starting to emerge as that RB1. For a team that runs the ball so much, you know what I mean? You need depth in that backfield. Dobbins was that top-end talent who hopefully could have put them over the hump in the AFC playoff picture, but I guess it's Gus Bus world, but what uh, just a tough situation here for J.K. Dobbins. Yeah, man, Dobbins, the week before the end of the preseason, goes down with a major injury. You, you hate to see it. Uh, just the game of football. I mean, guys get hurt. Travis Etienne out for the year. And, yeah, Dobbins averaged six yards per carry last year and was uh, set to take on the, the feature back role. And I think this this definitely hurts the Ravens. But I think this just means, uh, say it's Gus bus time, it's just Lamar Jackson time. So I, I don't think the Raven, like I don't think the Ravens, I don't think they're not gonna win a Super Bowl because J.K. Dobbins gets hurt. I don't think. I just think in today's game, like a running back is, it's like not, it's not not right to say, but a running back could be replaceable unless you're like Derrick Henry, just like. A beast like that, but I mean, with an offense, with a good offensive line, a running back can do do some damage. But I just think Lamar Jackson is um, just going to pick up the slack from from J.K. Dobbins and and will this team. And I still think the Ravens are uh, our top team in the AFC. Yeah, I think you mentioned Lamar Jackson. A lot more pressure on him now, especially with his legs. Uh, probably something that the Ravens don't <laughs> want to really like depend on as much. But with Dobbins out, I think you're going to have to. He's gonna. There's gonna have to be more quarterback design runs again. Lamar now was your most dynamic playmaker, but losing another dynamic playmaker on that roster. I know Rashad Bateman, their wide receiver, actually they just took in the first round, also out kind of early. So a lot of pressure on Lamar again. I kind of disagree with you though, in the sense only because the Ravens are just such a run centric team that for what they want to do, I think that J.K. Dobbins kind of does limit their ceiling. I think the Ravens they needed somebody else, of course, to step up. Obviously. I don't think they can take that next step and win a Super Bowl if they don't start airing the ball out a little more and being able to play from behind in a sense. But, you know, like at the same time, they also have to be able to be dominant at what they are dominant at. And I think with Gus Edwards back there and, or whoever they bring in at this point isn't that same runner as J.K. Dobbins. Yes, I understand that. Like it is replaceable too in a sense. I think Gus Edwards might be able to do a fine job, but I don't know. I think J.K. Dobbins is, a, I think you're kind of, I don't maybe or maybe I'm just too was too optimistic about oh, JK no. Dobbins this season. Of course, listen, of course I had JK Dobbins in my fantasy team, so I was getting all optimistic and stuff and I lose him. But I, I know you're a JK Dobbins guy, so you weren't trying to come yeah, off no, like that. I like JK Dobbins. But yeah, just, do, you, do you think do you think that they go outside like their team right now and go get a Todd Gurley or somebody else maybe who was just caught from a team 
yesterday. I can't think of a, a back off the top. I mean, Corey Clement is the one I can think of, but only because he's a Giants. But you think they go for outside or you think they ride with the bus? <laughs> nah, I, I think personally, I mean, Lamar Jackson's honestly rushing for a thousand yards on his own, but I, I think they go out and get some type of back just so. I mean, Gus Edwards is, Gus Edwards has never been a starting running back for a whole year in his in his career, and I mean, I, I don't know if he if he's built for it. I mean, J.K. Dobbins obviously a big loss. I I think they got to go out and get some type of running back unless Gus Edwards magically just becomes an all pro all pro back. Like it's just gonna be a lot of pressure on Lamar Jackson. I think he. He's up for the challenge, but I just think at at this stage, like you don't want Lamar Jackson running fifteen times a game. Like you don't want him running that many times when he's your franchise quarterback. So I think they go out, go get some type of uh, veteran running back off the um, off waivers. Whoever's out there, like I can't really think of guys off the top of my head either. But yeah, I think the Ravens go get somebody. Yeah, especially just because of the sheer amount of carries that their running backs will endure. Like, J.K. Dobbins was probably was going to be their number one. But, it's, again, Gus Edwards is their backup. We're still going to inherit a bunch of carries. I know Justice Hill they have there. Uh, more of like a third down back in a sense. More of a guy who runs outside the tackles. Not like a, g- a good piece for the Ravens to have, but not really what they want to do in a sense of just like run the ball between the tackles and stuff like that. So, yeah, especially in the beginning of the year, I think they want to kind of take it easy on Lamar. So I would be, I wouldn't be shocked to see the Ravens go make a move. I know Sony Michelle actually, I feel like would have been a good fit for the Ravens. I know he just went to the Los Angeles Rams and stuff like that. So you kind of miss out on him, but maybe somebody up that alley, you know what I mean? Like a younger player who's in a, um, in a crowded backfield, you know, like something off the time I had, I know San Francisco has obviously Mozart. They have, Jeff Wilson, I still think they just drafted Trey Sermon and Elijah Mitchell. Like Wayne Gallman signed with San Francisco in the what's one in the offseason. You know what I mean? Like I feel like Wayne Gallman would fit well in the Ravens. He wouldn't cost them a lot. He's not this crazy playmaker, but again, he just got the job done last year for the Giants and honestly for his whole career in New York. So yeah, Luke, bring Wayne Gallman to the Baltimore Ravens, man. I pulled that out of kind of thin air, but now I'm riding with him. Give me the Wayne train down in uh, Baltimore, Maryland. No, yeah, I was honestly, I'm not even like capping right now. I was honestly thinking Gallman off the top of my head when he was on. I knew he was on the the 49ers. I was just thinking of him as a potential guy. I was just thinking of straight guys off the, um, who are not on a team right now. But yeah, in a crowded backfield like that, I think Wayne Gallman or someone from the, nah, it's definitely Wayne Gallman. They're not going to trade Trey Sermon, obviously rookie. They're not trading those guys. Wayne Gallman from the, from the San Francisco 49ers. I think um, we proved last year he he could get the job done when uh, when Saquon Barkley went down. He did a fine job. So <clears throat> I think in this offense with the Ravens, I think Lamar Jackson can definitely get the job done. But I think getting a guy like Wayne Gallman will definitely take a little bit of pressure off of uh, off Lamar. And core man. As it turns out, that I mean, this is just ridiculous. Wayne Gallman was released yesterday by the San Francisco 49ers. This is unbelievable. I mean, this couldn't be more perfect. Uh, I know, obviously, um, Le'Veon Bell, obviously, we mentioned Todd Gurley. J.B. Hawkins would be, also be another the undrafted free agent out of Louisville. I know he had a lot of traction. This watch we'll call it this past offseason with the Falcons, maybe taking a bigger role. He got released. Maybe somebody who is a more upside pick. But I honestly cannot believe that Wayne Gallman, I mean, that that. Insane in real time. I think it's a lot more crazy than some people may think. But 
move on to another guy who just went down on see another guy who a big hopes i believe this was his going to be his third year in the league irv smith jr set to become the vikings starting tight end this year finally with kyle rudolph off to new york he's done for the year i believe it's a knee injury i want to say maybe it's a foot, lower body injury we'll go with and yeah it's a shame for irv smith obviously a guy who's got a ton of potential second round pick out of alabama a guy especially in fantasy drafts you were thinking with such a run heavy offense too in um, Minnesota, right? Like he should be feeding off play actions and stuff like that. A good red zone target. But yeah, Irv Smith going down definitely kind of hurts the Minnesota Vikings outlook on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, I mean, Irv Smith was um, kind of developing as a, a solid tight end for, for the for the Minnesota Vikings prop, like a pass catcher behind uh, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen. And, yeah, I mean, it's a tough loss for them. But luckily they go out and they get Chris Herndon from the New York Jets. I think Chris Herndon was, uh, was a talented uh, tight end out of Miami. Uh, and and I, liked, I liked him, like his flashes he showed on the, on the Jets. It just didn't really work out. So, I mean, I think that's a nice little pickup for, for the Vikings in, in need of a tight end right now. So, I think Herndon could uh, – could uh, fill the fill the spot there. Yeah, I guess a lot of untapped potential in the sense you see Herndon, you kind of you're like, all right, this guy should be a good tight end in the NFL. I mean, he kind of, a, I mean, a very disappointing tenure at the Jets in three years didn't crack. I mean, he was out one of the years really, but didn't crack 800 receiving yards in the two full years at least they played combined. So definitely a little bit of a bummer there. But again, I think he's going into a lot better of a system in Minnesota. Hopefully, he can kind of break out and his career can blossom. I think it was a pretty good trade for them. I know they they got. They gave up a fourth and they swapped the sixth. So, honestly, I think it's a good trade for both sides. I mean, the Jets are kind of just like throwing in the towel with the Herndon experiment. I know they're kind of soft at the week at tight end, I should say. Uh, not a lot of depth there. But who knows? I think Herndon, though, was a good move by the Minnesota. I think they definitely had to go get a tight end. Obviously, with Rudolph going, leaving town, Irv Smith going down, had to bring somebody in. But I mentioned the Jets, too. They were kind of wheeling and dealing. They did lose Carl Lawson, who we talked about, to an Achilles tear a couple weeks ago. They bring in Shaq Lawson former first rounder out of Clemson. He was with a bunch of teams in that AFC East. Actually, he used to be with the Buffalo bills. He was with the Miami dolphins and they traded for him from the Houston Texans. He actually went to the Houston Texans. It's off season in the Bernard McKinney deal. Uh, I honestly don't hate this deal at all for the Jets. I think the Jets really need an edge rusher for what they want to do on defense. There's going to be a lot of, like a, a lot of depth there. That's always what Salah was big in. In San Francisco as well. He had a lot of guys who can get after the quarterback. So with Carl Lawson going down, bringing another Lawson, and hopefully it fixes it. Again, a guy who was a former first-round pick, so the town is there. Just never really pieced it together. Never really had a big season yet. But hopefully the change of scenery in New York, getting under Salah's wing can help him. Yeah, I mean, I had trusted Joe Douglas to uh, to go get a another pass rusher after Carl Lawson went down with the torn Achilles. And yeah, Shaq Lawson, first-round pick. At a Clemson, he has reached his full potential. Seven, but I mean, he's only reached six and a half sacks for like the most sacks in his in a season in his career. So, I mean, I I think for what the Jets gave up and in the need in the need that they had for a pass rusher, I, I like the move. I think um, Lawson maybe can. Maybe rejuvenate his career a little bit here. Uh, obviously, Talon's their first pick. And, yeah, I mean, I think with the, with the need that the Jets got, I think 
Shaq Lawson will get some uh, some decent opportunities to, to prove himself why he's that first-round pick. So, yeah, I like the move from uh, Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas quietly has made some big moves. I mean, I, like I just said, I mentioned that even the thing with Herndon. Like, I mean, I know obviously I guess he has a little bit of value, but again, being able to get like a fourth-round pick, I know they technically give up a six, so they only move up a couple of rounds, but I don't know. I feel like that was pretty good compensation in their part. And then Shaq Lawson, you deal a six-rounder for him, like – I like the way the Jets are rebuilding or attempting that to get some depth, bring in some talent that could potentially be some contributors for them in the future. So that's good for them in that sense. Uh, moving on to another trade that happened. I guess this one was more of a surprise, but I guess the writing was on the wall for Gardner Minshew and Jacksonville. Ever since they brought in Trevor Lawrence, you kind of felt like they were going to – like. They were saying it was an open quarterback competition. No, it wasn't. Uh, I think it was a good job, though, in that sense of Urban Meyer, maybe pushing Trevor Lawrence in a sense. You know, competition brings out the best in people. So by having Gardner Minshew there, at least, maybe he can learn from him in a sense, but also just get better every day, every day at practice because he knows that Minshew's kind of on his tail. Minshew's also not a guy who's just going to sit down and, like, you know what I mean? He's not going to lay down. He's a fighter, Minshew. He's a six-round pick, uh, kind of under Herald out of Washington State. You know what I mean? He was all over the place in college, too. The guy's, the guy's a fighter. He's going to fight for his job, fight for his rep. So I think that's a good guy to push um, a young quarterback. But he's going to Philadelphia and maybe potentially push Jalen Hurts, too. I don't particularly love this move from the Philadelphia Eagles because I think they just – yes, I think there are uns- – like. I think they ruined Carson Wentz in a sense because they never were like 100% fully committed to Carson Wentz after – like that ACL injury. And then they like with Nick Foles there, obviously what Nick Foles won in the Super Bowl, but then it was always weird, that dynamic. And then they brought in Jalen Hurts last off season. I thought it ruined Carson Wentz for sure. Like I thought that like just the, like the, the lack of confidence in him. Like, why would you take a quarterback in the second round? I know Wentz is like the talents there. It's just that he, like, he just got some unlucky breaks in that sense. So I'm curious what you think. Do you think that like them acquiring Minshew is kind of like a red flag in what they think of like Jalen Hurts' development? Or do you think it's even do you think it's smart for them to bring in Minshew around Jalen Hurts? All right, I'm not gonna I do not think it is smart to bring in Gardner Minshew. Uh like you said, they um they brought it they had Nick Foles and they drafted like Jalen Hurts while like Carson Wentz was supposed to be their guy. And it, it probably did ruin Carson Wentz, but I just think Jalen Hurts has the, a dog mentality where I think bringing Gardner Minshew, like, I think they're just bringing him in in case, like, Hurts doesn't get the job done. But I just think, I don't know, I, I don't, personally, I don't like the move, but I don't think it's really going to affect Jalen Hurts that much. I think Jalen Hurts is going to go out and uh, have a good season this year. And... Um, Minshew really is not going to see the field unless uh, injury occurs. I expect Jalen Hurts to um, to hold off Gardner Minshew. I just think, I don't know. I just think Hurts has, so far in his career, just in college, also like he's handled adversity like really well, a lot better than uh, Carson Wentz has shown. Like when a guy comes in, oh, another quarterback comes in while Carson Wentz is the starter. Carson Wentz. Did not handle the great, but Jalen Hurts obviously on Alabama, that gets replaced by Tua Tagovailoa, and then he replaces Tua Tagovailoa like the next year, and uh, does a fine job. So I think Jalen Hurts has proven to be a calm, cool, collected quarterback, and uh, handled pr- pressure very well. So one, I do not love the move, but I don't think it would really affect 
Jalen Hurts in that much, like that much. So I think Hurts will hold off uh, Minshew for, for the starting job throughout the year, if, as long as he's healthy. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I think that the makeup, at least, at least it's so it seems, of Carson Wentz to Jalen Hurts is definitely different. I think Hurts is more of the guy with maybe a little bit more of a chip on the shoulder and a hard-nosed guy that he kind of will embrace the competition in a sense. But I don't know. I just don't think at the quarterback position, again, it's not a very good voice of confidence when your young quarterback who played a little bit down the stretch last year, you pulled them in that last regular season game because you wanted to see what Nate Sudfeld had. And then it's like, now you're bringing in Gardner Minshew. Like, I don't know. I don't completely love it, but I think, I don't think Gardner Minshew's like, I don't know. I don't, I don't. My biggest thing too is I don't think Gardner Minshew's shown that like he, he's definitely shown that he can play in the NFL, right? I just don't think he's shown in the NFL that he that he could like lead a team as a starting quarterback. If you ask me, that's at least what I feel like I've seen from it. So I don't. That's necessarily why I don't love the move. You know what I mean? Like you have Joe Flacco there as your backup. Like if you really want to go in the Minshew direction, I don't know what you're really like. What he's going to give you that like positively, whereas it it goes wrong and he like kind of like creates this uncertainty into Hertz's mind, I think it could be a lot more worse. Without, like, at the end of the day, listen, Gardner Mitch is a good football player. I just wish he was in a better situation. I don't necessarily think he really steps on the field this year either. I think they should want to see what Jalen Hurts has to do. They really shouldn't want to see what they can get out of Mitch. They should see if Jalen Hurts is their future quarterback, and if he's not, that's okay because they're going to have a high draft pick then, you know what I mean? Then they're not good. But if Jalen Hurts is good, then they thought they have another year at least of who their franchise quarterback could potentially be. But speaking of this quarterback shakeup, a couple of different quarterback competitions uh, conclude over this past week. I think the biggest one, Matt Jones, named the starter in, the, in New England for the New England Patriots, will start week one against his former college teammate, as well as being former t- college teammate for Jalen Hurts, also college teammate to a tug of Iloa. Um, Cam Newton's cut. That's what it, that, I mean, that, that's what concluded the competition. I think it was a little bit surprising. But from my from my point of view, if you're going to go with Mac Jones, I think you do cut Cam Newton because one, Cam just doesn't really profile as a backup in a sense, especially in New England because Mac Jones I feel like is a lot more like Jared Stidham, who's their backup now, than Cam Newton. So why would you, if Mac Jones were to go down, let's say like you're not going to change your whole offense now because Cam Newton's there. You know what I mean? You want to run the same thing. Your backup should be able to come in in the middle of the game and kind of be in the flow of the game in that sense. So that's why I think it made more sense maybe to avoid Cam. As a backup there, I think Cam Newton maybe has some football left in him, but I don't know. I think the clock might be winding down a sense. I think he's a talented player. I didn't love him last year. I thought that, yes, he didn't have a lot of help, but I thought him throwing the football, I think that shoulder surgery that he had in 2019 really got to him. So it'll be interesting. I think he gets another shot somewhere. I hope he does in that sense, but I don't know. I'm not too optimistic on the tail end, I guess, of Cam Newton's career, at least the way I see it. Yeah, I definitely saw it as surprising to see uh, Cam Newton cut. I get what you're saying about uh, Cam Newton being cut. Like, he doesn't really fit the profile for a backup quarterback, and I kind of agree with that, but I just still didn't. I, I don't think any of us saw us coming, even if Mac Jones became the starter for um, for Mac Jones being the starter like Cam Newton. I, I, think, uh, I think Cam Newton still... Has a little bit of football left. Like last year, he really did not have much to work with. I don't think he was given like a great opportunity to succeed. Do I think he has a – I don't think there's a place for him this year, though, where he's going to be a starting quarterback. I just don't see it this late in the season. I saw the Cowboys were like possibly linked to um, like signing – 
Cam Newton. I think that'd be a pretty good fit with um, Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott coming off a a broken foot. He happens to go down. I think Cam Newton could step in and do a better job than Andy Dalton. But I just think at this stage in his career, you might say he's not profiled to be a backup, maybe not behind a rookie. But I, I don't see Cam Newton really getting a, an opportunity to be an NFL quarterback when there's only 32 start, starting QBs. So I think at this stage in career, I think Cam Newton might just be uh, – I'm not saying he's not good enough, just with the competition and everything going on with teams already having quarterbacks. I, I think he might have to take on a backup role for, uh, for his next adventure. Yeah, I agree. I think, though, if he's going to take on a backup role, it should be in a system more that, like, caters to his needs. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, like, Baltimore would be, like, the first one that comes to mind that, like, he would be a perfect, like, fit there if Lamar Jackson were to go down. Like, more, again, more something that an offense is catered to, to his skills because last year, I think, they did play to some of his strengths in New England. But now with Mac Jones, they're two different players. So it's going to be a different offense. I don't, I, so if he were to get on the field in New England, even I don't even think it puts him in a good chance to succeed. I think it stinks, too, because a good spot maybe for him would have been Washington with Ron Rivera and their former uh, – I think Scott Turner is the offensive coordinator there who used to be in Carolina as well. You know what I mean? They have Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it's very doable that Cam Newton could have beat out Ryan Fitzpatrick for the spot. But now it's like it's kind of a little bit too late. But I guess we're going to have to wait and see. I mentioned some other quarterback jobs. We talked about Teddy Bridgewater getting named the starter last week. We talked about Trevor Lawrence getting named the starter. Andy Dalton was also named the starter, which we kind of, you know, I mean, we kind of bashed, but rightfully so. I guess the one that we didn't really touch on, but we anticipated, Jameis Winston named the starter in New Orleans, in New Orleans, excuse me. And, yeah, I think we're both pretty pumped about that. Finally, Jameis gets out there and his continuity. But, um. Good for him. Uh, hopefully Taysom Roll takes more of that, like, Taysom Hill, excuse me, takes more of that role of being, like, that explosive playmaker, get him, like, eight touches a game or something like that. But, yeah, I think for the Saints in 2021, I think it was definitely best for Jameis to be at quarterback. Oh, yeah, no, nah, I think Jameis becoming the, the starting QB for the Saints, definitely definitely the right move. I think he's he's earned it. He's, he's earned it. Uh, I said it twice. He's definitely behind Drew Brees. He, he took that, that chance to be a backup. And, uh, yeah, was he a backup for two years after after leaving uh, Tampa Bay? I think, yeah, I think in preseason he even showed out. I mean, the talent's obviously there. I, I think he, he could do a lot of things that a lot of quarterbacks cannot. Like, who could throw for 5,000 yards and uh, have 30-plus 30, 30 touchdowns like that? I know he had 30 picks that season. But I'll take that all day. If a um, quarterback coach can work with him, I think Jameis Winston has proven he, he could be – he's capable starting quarterback in the NFL. And I think Taysom Hill, he I don't think he's really designed – I know he, he took over and did a nice job last year, but I think if Taysom Hill can go back to his normal role where he, where he just takes some snaps at QB every once in a while um, – lines up at tight end, maybe like the Wildcat, stuff like that. I think that that role suits him better in uh, the Saints as a whole. For sure. I think with – especially with Michael Thomas out, I mentioned Taysom Hill, the Saints are a little short on playmakers. So get Hill the ball, and for the long run, I think it definitely their ceiling is higher with Jameis Winston at quarterback. Uh, one last quarterback situation. We'll kind of just wrap up real quick. Uh, the San Francisco 49ers, it looks like now Jimmy Garoppolo will be the starter there, although they, have not, although they have not named it yet. 
But with Trey Lance out a week, they have, he has like a chip in his finger or something like that. Uh, it's kind of tough, you know what I mean? When a rookie is going to miss a week like that, especially this close to the season, they'll probably just opt to go in the direction of Garoppolo. It's a shame because I really think Kyle Shanahan wanted to kind of like start Trey Lance early, especially with like, you know what I mean? You trade up for him. We've mentioned this. Like, you know, you've already like swung. Come on. Like, like I would be a little, I don't know. I just think it's a bad like message. If, again, you, you show that you believe so much in this guy. Yes, he needs like a little bit of fine-tuning ground. Let him go play, especially against the Lions week one. Let him go get that experience and let, let him go play football. You know what I mean? It's a shame, I think, that we won't see him week one. Yeah, definitely. Is it, is it like official or is it, it is not? A, it's not official, but like, again, I'm speculating just on the fact that he's missing this week of practice. Yeah. So listen, there's still a chance. Hopefully yeah. Shanahan, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, it's a shame he got, he, he, he hurt his finger, but I don't know. I'm asking you, you think, I know the, um, the 49ers, let's say the 49ers through Three weeks, Jimmy G's the starter, and they're and they're three and zero. Oh, let's say through like six, through seven weeks, they're six and one. Do do you do you make a change, or, or you just let Jimmy G ride it? Nah, you can't. You can't at that point. If you ask me, you can't make the change unless Jimmy Garoppolo like was a factor in like that one loss, or like that that was the law. I don't know. Like that that if you ask me, is too tough to make a change at that point. But who knows? You know what I mean? I mean. I remember a couple years ago, Clemson was 4-0, and guess what Dabo Sweeney did? He benched Kelly Bryant, the guy who just got into the college football playoffs the year before for Trevor Lawrence. Uh, the great coaches, they have a feel for the great quarterbacks. You know what I mean? I mean, Nick Saban did the same thing in the national championship that year when he benched Hurts for Tua. So Kyle Shanahan, I think, uh, is one of those coaches. I, I'm not going to put him up in Saban-Sweeney territory. I know, obviously, it's college football versus the NFL. The stakes are a little higher in the NFL, but – yeah, I don't. I don't think at six and one. It, I feel like at that point it's kind of almost Jimmy's team. You know what I mean? You need maybe a two game skid or something like that. Maybe it, yeah, if there was a loss going into the bye week, then it's like all right, this is easier to bring in Lance or something like that. So yeah, I think that potentially hurts Lance's chance of getting on the field. But listen, maybe it is for the better. Trey Lance still is a raw prospect. I know I keep getting so antsy about wanting Lance on the field, but at the end of the day, if he really isn't ready, then maybe it doesn't make entirely sense to let him go out there and kind of get like shocked almost in the sense and kind of get like a little gunshot next time he's out there so listen Kyle Shanahan John Lynch they're a lot smarter than me let them make their right decision and uh I guess we'll wait and see it is curious though if you ask me the report did come out I think yesterday that he got hurt and they haven't named Garoppolo the starter so maybe they are holding out a little bit but it's gonna wrap up our NFL coverage for so far I know next week obviously football starts on Thursday so we'll probably come back on like Tuesday or something We'll give you a full NFL season outlook. We'll give our award predictions. We'll give our playoff predictions, Super Bowl champions. And, uh, yeah, we'll kind of preview some teams, too, give you a couple sleepers and stuff like that. And, of course, we'll make our week one game picks, Core, We haven't made picks in a long time. I know we're going to get to them in college football, so I'm pretty stoked for that. Yeah, I'm definitely hyped to, to make some picks, hopefully. We, uh, we turn into two guys, or at least myself or you, honestly, someone uh, – who our listeners could could potentially tail, and uh, if they are betting, make uh make them some money instead of turning yeah, into sh- just an auto fade. <laughs> for sure, but uh, they will be on the Instagram this year. Be sure to check us out on the at the deep ball underscore. We are making a pact that they will for sure be up every week. So get ready, but. Now we got to go into NCAA court. We haven't talked NCAA football in a minute since the national championship. I'm stoked for 
college football to be back. I know technically he returned last week, week zero, but that doesn't really count. You know what I mean? All the big boys are coming back this week. I guess we'll start breaking down conferences, and I guess we'll start in the biggest conference, the SEC, or at least maybe not the biggest conference, but we'll say the gold standard of college football. You'd agree with me on that, right? Yeah, definitely, no doubt. I mean, we. I mean, we got schools like Oklahoma and Texas lining up to join the conference. Like, they're the best conference in football. You get the best football. And I think it's only right to start with the reigning national champions, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Their outlook for 2021, listen, they're Alabama. They return, um, like, they were, they, what you, they're Alabama. They send off a ton of guys to the draft each year, and every year they seem to replace them, and they do just the same process over and over. This year, obviously, they're losing Mac Jones. They're losing Devonta Smith. They're losing Najee Harris. Obviously, they're linemen Landon Dickerson and Alex Leatherwood. I'm blanking on somebody who, too, who they're missing on defense, who's a high draft pick. They're losing Jalen Waddle. Excuse me. And I can't think who am I, who am I missing on defense? There was the seventh Alabama kid who I'm missing. Sertan? Patrick Sertan, thank you. That's who they're missing on defense. They're very, very vital uh, position. But listen, new quarterback. Former five-star recruit Bryce Young in 2020 at a Matter Day High School in California. Listen, this guy, people thought would come in and just replace Tua. Mac Jones beat him out for the job last year. Got a little bit of action last year, but I'm betting you Bryce Young is going to come in and he's going to be a, uh, he's going to, you know, he's in one of the most high-profile systems in college football, one of the biggest spotlights, and uh, I'm expecting big things this year out of Bryce Young, a kid again who's ultra talented. Yeah, no doubt, five-star out of uh, Matter Day. Like you said, was supposed to supposed to come in, and uh, I mean, he he sat behind Mac Jones last year and watched the team go undefeated and win a national championship with pure dominance. I think he, I mean, as talented as he is, I think he learns obviously a lot from uh, the four year senior Mac Jones. So I mean, I don't expect Alabama to lose a beat. I still think they. Uh, Obviously, the number one team in the country. Obviously, number one team in the SEC. I think with Bryce Young, I think he should flourish in uh, in that Bama offense. And they're, I mean, still definitely the team to beat in uh, all of America. Yeah, listen, they do lose their offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, who was now the Texas head coach. But, you know, I'm, their offensive coordinator, who they hired, is Bill O'Brien. Which, I mean, look, you could slander Bill O'Brien, his general manager skills. You could even slander his head coaching skills. Bill O'Brien led the Texans to the playoffs in 2019 and is now coaching college football. Really, like, he got fired, obviously, in 2020. And now 2021, he's coaching Alabama football. Obviously, it's a high-profile job, but still. You know, like, he's, no, he's, no, he's an offensive mind. He's worked with the Patriots, obviously, a ton in his career, formerly before he became a head coach. So, I'm interested to see his wrinkle. And honestly, I think he's going to kill it in Alabama, maybe give himself another head coaching job. Couple other guys on Alabama, I think, to look out for this year. John Mechie, who was their kind of their second receiver once Jalen Waddle went down this year. He should probably step into that number one role this year. And obviously, Alabama over the past couple of years, they produced studs at the wide receiver position. So Mechie, again, keep this guy on your radar when it comes to that, like the 2022 draft. You know what I mean? He's going to be a high volume receiver in that sense. Brian Robinson was their backup running back last year. He got a little bit of run towards the end of the year, obviously, spelling Najee Harris at times. We got a good offensive tackle prospect in Evan Neal. And on the defensive side, one of their best defenders last year, Will Anderson, a good pass rusher, comes back. And one of the coolest names in all of college football, Corey, Kool-Aid McKinstry is one of their defensive backs. I mean, he, of course, he got a what's called and a, a nice sponsorship deal with Kool-Aid. I mean, that is just awesome. You're not losing. You're going to be a stud if your name is Kool-Aid McKinstry. Come on now. 
McKinstry. Just a, just a fire name. It's almost like the guy uh, who went to LSU, like the coldest Crawford. Like you guys, like names like that. You just obviously you're just built built for the big stage. So I mean, obviously now he's at Alabama. So nothing but uh, nothing but greatness coming coming this guy's way. And again, the guy was the number one cornerback in this past recruiting class in 2021, 18th overall recruit of five stars. So again, I wouldn't be surprised if he walks in as a true freshman this year and walks into the big stage. But listen, Alabama's at this only powerhouse in the SEC. There are a lot of good teams in this conference. Sticking in the SEC West, I guess we'll go to, I think, one of my favorite teams in all of college football this year, Texas A&M. Last year, they finished fifth in the rankings. I know then they beat UNC in... I don't, I don't exactly remember what bowl. Maybe it was the Peach Bowl. It was. I don't. Not. Not 100% sure. But they definitely beat UNC. I remember that game. Kellen Mond obviously exits. But they have a new quarterback again. Another um, recruit. I believe he's from 2020. Hayes King, who they had a lot of hopes for, and again a lot of high end talent on this team with Jalen Wademeyer, who returns at tight end. A few, probably a future first round pick at tight end. And one of my favorite guys on Texas A&M, Isaiah Spiller, who had a great bowl game against. UNC last year. The guy is one of the quickest running backs in college football. Core, I'm telling you, sleep on Isaiah Spiller to win the Heisman this year. He's going to run like crazy. Texas A&M had a great defense last year. And with Jimbo Fisher, a guy, again, who at Florida State a couple uh, not even a couple years ago, more like six, seven years ago now, has brought them and won a national championship. He's a proven winner at that sense. Texas A&M might have gotten a little hate last year because they thought they deserved that fourth spot, but listen, their defense was good. I expect their offense to be just as good again this year, and if King can step in at QB, I think um, this team can make a lot of noise and potentially even make a playoff run. I think Alabama, I believe they have to travel They have to travel to Texas A&M, too. Texas A&M is no easy place to play in college football, obviously, in College Station, that 12th man they call it over there. So that is going to be a very interesting game. I have it. It's October, uh, October 9th, excuse me. So that is going to be a big game for there, and uh, Coming in at the preseason number six, expectations are high, but I think justifiably so. Oh, yeah, Texas A&M, obviously, they did lose uh, Kellen Mond. And, uh, Haynes King, going to be a lot of pressure on him to come in. I mean, it's not like Kellen Mond was like a top QB, but I mean, Haynes King just got to come in and uh, replicate or do it even better than Kellen Mond did. And yeah, Isaiah Spiller was running like crazy last year. Is he is he related to CJ Spiller? Oh, you have no idea. Not a clue. I mean, both running backs. But I mean, yeah, that Texas A&M team. They they were on the uh, almost on the outside looking in towards a um, college football playoff berth last year. And yeah, I mean, returning a decent amount of players, I expect them to be right there in the SEC West. I don't think they're on Bama's level, but I think they're just uh, – I think they're Ted below it. But, I mean, I still think they're definitely a contender to uh, to get into a college – for a college football berth. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think um, Texas A&M has leapfrogged another program in that sense, like LSU, who we'll get into kind of right now. We had a tough year last year, definitely on a, on a rise back up. I think A&M is probably the biggest contender to Alabama – I know LSU, at least this year, Derek Stingley was kind of banged up a little bit last year. Hopefully he'll get back. I know they also have a young corner, Eli Ricks, who was unbelievable last year. I mean, to field those two guys at corner, LSU will by far have the best one-two at corner in the whole country. 
Um, Miles Brennan is hurt, though. They're going to ride with Max Johnson early, the quarterback. Um, I believe I believe last year was a true freshman. So, yeah, sophomore this year, second year. Hit a big win last year at Florida Corps. I know um, that's not an easy place, too, to go into the swamp and go win a game. But he did, I know, uh, what was that guy's name? Marco Wilson who threw the shoe. And he might he might have helped a little bit. But the lefty, the, 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 the son of Brad Johnson, you know what I mean? Good pedigree for Max. Uh, definitely showed me a little promise. I know they had also TJ Finley last year who was just awful. But they also have a good receiver, too. Um, blanking on his name. He had a big, he had a big, oh, uh, Butte. Kishore, I, think, uh, I forgot his first name. But he had like 300 yards last year against Ole Miss. So, again, he comes back last year. Listen, they lost a ton of talent after the 2019 national championship. So last year, obviously, they were bound to um, kind of regress a little bit, but they brought in a new defensive coordinator as well. Hopefully, Eddie O can get the team back on track and LSU can um, make some noise again this year. Yeah, I think LSU, I think of another team who um, not quite like Bama, but their team who loses guys to the draft every year and is able to just rebuild obviously not as good as Alabama but I mean yeah the amount of talent that they lost after that 2019 season or or 20 just the one yeah obviously with Joe Burrow that was just um a lot to a lot to ask for them to come back the following season and uh put out like a really good team but yeah obviously two really good cornerbacks LSU known to always have good defensive backs some call it DBU but I I think LSU 16th ranked 16th in the country right now. They have a tough game on uh, on Saturday versus UCLA, who uh, who dominated Hawaii um, last week. Yeah, I I think LSU obviously due for a bounce back year, but I I think they're clearly the number three team in the in the SEC West right now. But I think Coach uh, Coach Orgeron definitely. Suited to to have to lead this team to to a bounce back season, and uh, hopefully get them into. Um, I think they're a legit goal for them is uh, hopefully a New Year's Six Bowl for them. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things too that you got to realize with college football. I mean, there's so much more to the final four, like being the top four teams in the college football playoffs, and then being the national championship. You know what I mean? These bowl games too, like getting into a New Year's Six Bowl, just playing in a primetime bowl and stuff like that. I mean, those are accolades in itself. You know, college football isn't like the NFL in the sense where it's just like kind of like all or nothing. You know what I mean? So I think that would be big for them. That'd be another big step, a nice bounce back. But you're right, UCLA. They're going to UCLA too to play that game. Uh, I think they might be in trouble. I know uh, their quarterback, what a Dorian Thompson Robinson, what was a little quiet, even though they scored forty something points. But I'm sure he'll be ready to run all over LSU. So I'm definitely looking forward to that game. Uh, should be a really good one on the slate on Saturday. Moving on to the SEC, I guess it's probably our last team that will really break down. Another really underrated team, rated number five in the country. I know you. How can you be? underrated if you're number five but Georgia they're returning a lot of guys this year they're running backs Amir White and the biggest position at the biggest position JT Daniels a guy who transferred from USC he had an ACL tear so he didn't really start the year last year they had that guy Mathis at quarterback then they went to the mailman Stetson Benton Stetson Benton Stetson Bennett excuse me and then finally they get what's his name Daniels out there Daniels tears it up down the stretch listen they did lose George Pickens to an ACL tear which is tough um, another guy, Eric Gilbert, who actually was a transfer from LSU, a high-profile guy. I believe he was a he's a four or five-star recruit a couple years ago. Um, he's also out at a tight end again. So pass catches, I guess you could say, are a little weak. But obviously, Georgia's known for their defense. They got to replace a couple guys. But again, another team that 
you just you got to look out for because of how good Daniels played down the stretch and again how good like the guys who are returning on defense and how like how good they were last year. Yeah, I think to to definitely get back a quarterback in JT Daniels who who showed flashes of being really good when he uh, took over for, for Stetson Bennett at QB. I think getting a guy back like that, I mean, just instantly makes your team a top a top team in the in in the country, especially with JT Daniels possible Heisman candidate and Zamir White. He, he's a really good running back. And like you said, I mean, you think of Georgia, you think of just really good defense. I mean, they have a they've produced good linebackers in the past and just a good defense as a whole. So I think in the SEC East, I think that division is theirs to lose. Um, I mean, last year Florida took the the SEC East, but I, I think Georgia should definitely be the favorite to to win that and um, not get ahead of ourselves, but definitely look uh. I, I would love to see a Georgia, Alabama, SEC championship game, but uh, that's way too ahead. But yeah, Georgia definitely poised for a big season here, and I think a college football playoff berth definitely a realistic goal here. Yeah, listen, like I said, I think the biggest thing comes down to the five starters. Apparently, I have around five starters who are returning on defense. I think that's their biggest X factor in a sense because again, their defense was like. Six games last year, they held their opponents under 300 yards. I know in the beginning of the year, too, they played um, played like Arkansas. They played Auburn again early in the year last year. And it was uh, Tennessee, too. I mean, their defense is unbelievable. At one point, like people were saying it's one of the best college defenses we've ever seen. At least they were off to that start. Obviously, cool down a little bit. It doesn't help when you play Alabama and Florida as good as they were on offense last year. But, yeah, I de- definitely think they're the front runners for sure to run the SEC East. Because Florida this year, they lose Pitts. They lose Tony. They lose Kyle Trask. I mean, they're going with Emory Jones at quarterback, who's more of a runner in a sense. Hope so. Dan Mullen's going to have to be a little innovative in there. So I don't love everybody leaving from Florida there. Georgia, I think, just has a lot more stability in a sense. And I think JT Daniels, again, will take another big step and potentially maybe play, play his way onto a Heisman stage. Because I, I believe also JT Daniels from Matter Day, too, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, again, one of the best prep schools in the country. So it wouldn't surprise me that they're producing five-star quarterbacks like that. So, yeah, I think. Overall, are we both in agreement then that Alabama's probably winning, probably winning the SEC? So you know what I mean. I, I think we love, I love Texas A&M. I even love the way Georgia looks this year. But are you in agreement too that Alabama's taking this, this conference oh, yeah. at least? I'll say. I mean, I hate to go chalk, but I mean, I just think Alabama is as dominant as they come with uh, Bryce Young, obviously, and uh, they just re, they just restack year in year out. I think, I think, yeah, I think Bama. Is uh is the team beat obviously, and I think they'll take the SEC. Yeah, Alabama too. They do avoid. They do play Florida this year, Alabama. So they don't. They do avoid Georgia, but they get the cross game with Florida. One thing I will say too about Georgia that I think puts them at a little bit of a disadvantage. I know obviously they still enter the SEC with that's the championship with one out of conference loss. They do open up with Clemson, so that is a huge teller of a game. We'll get to that game in a little later, but that is a huge telling game. If you if they come out and kind of really make a statement against um against Clemson it's almost like watch out the rest of the SEC and really the college football world because Georgia's back a couple other guys I guess just highlight in this conference I mean me me and you core I feel like we kind of gravitated towards Ole Miss last year because they just put up so many points and Matt Corral that's just a fun team to watch I know they leave Elijah Moore hopefully they can and Kenny Yaboa on the offensive end hopefully they could fill some things in because Corral again is not afraid to sling it neither is Lane Kiffin uh I don't even know what other team. I guess Auburn is just still a mess. You know what I mean? I know they have a new quarterback. 
uh, uh, not a new quarterback, excuse me. They have a new, Auburn has a new head coach uh, from Boise State. Bo Nix is still there, but Bo Nix, if you ask me, kind of a disappointing tenure to this point in uh, Auburn. But I guess we'll move on to the Big Ten core. I will start again with the Big Ten champions from last year, Ohio State. I think it's safe to say again that this is Ohio State's conference to lose. They lose Justin Fields, obviously, their quarterback who went 11th overall to the Chicago Bears. But I mean, they return a ton of starters, including their receivers that is the best receiving core in football, headlined by Chris Olave, who was kind of a surprise return, and Garrett Wilson. Jeremy Rucker comes back for them at tight end. Master Teague is still there at running back. You know what I mean? They, they have the top recruit, too. Uh, Jack Sawyer, I believe is his name. He's a defensive end. So, again, I think Ohio State, again, should run the Big Ten with relative ease this year. Yeah, I, I think Ohio State um, has proven to be the team to be in the Big Ten. I mean, years, uh, teams like Penn State. I mean, last year, obviously not. But, like, Penn State, Michigan, Wisconsin, those teams are – just seem to be a tad bit below Ohio State year in, year out. I mean, this team is just dominating the Big Ten. I don't expect much to change here either. Obviously brought back their basically their whole skill group, obviously, Garrett Wilson, Olave, Master Teague, and Jeremy Ruckert. Uh, I know on the defensive end, they – I mean, Sean Wade obviously was not good at all. I mean, they lost him. Yeah, um, he's, he's still good. You know, I mean, he's still, like he had a nah, disappointing year, but like it's still it's still a hole to replace. Yeah, no, nah, definitely a cornerback to replace. But I think with CJ Struth, um, I I don't really know much about the guy, but uh, I think Ohio State just with with everyone else being brought in, you say he's, he's if he's a sophomore, um, I don't know, he's a freshman. I think. He's, I'm not – wait, is he freshman or sophomore? Uh, sophomore. Oh, sophomore. Freshman. You're a redshirt freshman, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Able to um, sit back behind J- Justin Fields last year and um, with bringing back most of the guy, same guy, offensive weapons, I think Ohio State's still a top team in the country. Yeah, for sure. I think with uh, Straw at quarterback, you know what I mean? He's a big-arm guy. Uh, former four-star recruit, so hopefully he can step in, fill the shoes of Justin Fields, and uh, lead Ohio State to a Big Ten championship win. Looking around the rest of the Big Ten, I wouldn't say there's, again, a true, really competitor to Ohio State outside of Wisconsin. I know Wisconsin returns Graham Mertz, who had a great start to his Wisconsin career. Obviously, last year, what he started with, like, that 20-for-21 game with four touchdowns. People were calling for him Heisman. And then he kind of tailed off. He got COVID, and then he tailed off a little bit. But they got they return a young running back as well. They got high expectations for obviously Wisconsin known for their running back. Jalen Berger is his name. So I think maybe they could compete with Ohio State, but in a sense, not really. I think really again, Ohio State's conference to lose. Penn State again, they were kind of a toss up in twenty twenty. Didn't really know which team you were gonna get early on. They had a tough loss to Indiana. Then they had a couple ugly losses as well. Sean Clifford was very erratic early. Came into his own a little bit late, but they open up with Wisconsin. I think that's a huge game and again a huge tell. For their season, Indiana, I guess, is another team. I know you've kind of been a, a big Indiana supporter because you love your lefty Michael Penix Jr., a guy who, again, coming back from an ACL tear. I think Indiana still overachieved a little bit last year, so I won't necessarily pencil them in as a true competitor. Uh, they bring back that other receiver, too, Frygel. Frygel? Frygel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, I mean, he's a, he, was, he was a dog, so I'll, I'll give it to that. And Tom Allen, if they have more of that 2020 magic, maybe they can make a little bit of a run. I know they play – 
Ohio State at home this year, so that'll help out a little bit. But again, they only had two losses last year, and one of them was in their bowl game. Uh, I won't even call Michigan a competitor right now in the Big Ten. I don't, but I mean, at least for uh, at least I'll bring them up in the sense that they'll have an interesting battle this year at quarterback with Alec Alan Bowman, uh, transfer from Texas Tech. They got Cade McNamara, who was their starter late in the year last year, and they're bringing in JJ McCarthy five-star recruit, the top high school quarterback recruit in 2021 from IMG Academy. Hopefully he could take over soon. And if he doesn't honestly really pan out or not, if he doesn't pan out, if Michigan can't win with him, I think Jim Harbaugh's job is definitely on the hot seat. But yeah, aside from Ohio State, I know I kind of rambled on this year. You like anybody really else in the Big Ten to maybe have a big year? Yeah, I mean, I think Wisconsin could uh, could do some damage with with Graham Mertz at, uh, at QB. Uh, and yeah, I mean, I think Indiana obviously overachieved, but I mean, they brought back uh, a lot of guys and I, I like Michael Penix, obviously, I think um, Coach Allen, definitely a hard-nosed, hard-nosed coach, obviously going to get the best out of his guys. So I think that's another team who could um, who could have a solid season this year in, in the Big Ten. I don't think the Big Ten is, is like necessarily that strong of a conference this year. I think the, I don't know, I, I think behind Ohio State, it's just like a lot of decent teams. Iowa, obviously another decent team, but I, I think, yeah, I think after Ohio State, there's uh, teams like Indiana, I'll give Ohio State, Penn State, Iowa, I don't know if I said Iowa already, and, and Wisconsin, I think those teams are in, in the next tier. Yeah, for sure. I think there's definitely a distinct uh, drop off on that. But again, these te- those teams are still going to be competing for bowls and stuff, even competing to see in the- who's ever in the uh, other side who will play Ohio State in the Big Ten Championship. Kind of wrap up the other three conferences a little more smoothly because, again, I feel like those are the two bigger horses. The ACC this year, again, it was a good conference last year, kind of emerging a little bit. Clemson's obviously dominated it for so long. I expect that kind of to continue this year. But look, they do have three teams ranked in the top 14. And I feel like there's a pretty decent drop-off. But DJ Ugalele will be or Ungalele, however you pronounce his last name. Listen, we you know who we're t- we you know who we're talking about. I mean, the guy started two games in 2020 when Trevor Lawrence went down. Honestly, played pretty well too, and that's good experience. Again, that's going to get him ready for this year. Uh, you have to replace Travis Etienne, who's been their starting running back there for the past three years. Justin Ross is a big get back. Uh, uh, he was a freshman in 2018 and really an emerging star in the college football world, but he was out all of last year with a neck injury, but he's good to go this year. They return a lot of guys on defense, and they have a lot of guys who are really like kind of like sixth-year sixth players in a sense because they got that free redshirt year from last year. Uh, like Noah Turner and uh, Scousey, their linebacker. Brian Brees is another really good edge rusher that they're bringing back. Uh, Brett Venables is the coordinator over there. Obviously, he always likes to dial up pressure. I mentioned earlier about Georgia that they play Clemson week one. I think, again, that is just a huge tone setter game. But I think with DJ kind of, I, I think with DJ playing last year, that helps him a lot. And I think it could um, give him an edge almost in a sense that he, he has a little bit of confidence because he knows that he could play at this stage. Yeah, I definitely think DJ Ukulele getting to play two games last season due to. Um, Trevor Lawrence battling uh, COVID, I think. Yeah, I think Ugalele, obviously a five-star at a high school. Just a big body, 6'4", 250, and can, can do everything. I, I think having him uh, get get some reps last year on a, on, a, on a really good team definitely helps them. And I think the ACC, 
has been ran by Clemson. I don't expect anything to change. I've been going pure chalk, but like I just don't I don't see any team competing with um Clemson, obviously Miami and UNC, two other good teams in this conference. The ACC kind of on the rise. Sam Howell and De'Ara King, two two probably the top ten quarterbacks. Maybe I'm being um too harsh, maybe even better, but two definitely I'd say two of the top ten QBs in the in the in the country right now. So yeah, I think the ACC definitely on the rise, but I think Clemson's still uh, way on top. Yeah, you mentioned Sam Howell too, uh, potentially like kind of competing with Clemson at least for that ACC title. I think it's gonna be a little difficult for him this year. I think last year, obviously, his skill group was like unbelievable with Javante Williams, Michael Carter, and then Daz Newsome and Dynamic Brown, our receiver. Those guys have all graduated into the NFL. They were all draft picks this year. So a lot of pressure this year on Howell. You know what I mean? A little less known skills. I think they have Bo Corrales, who still returns our receiver. But besides that, a lot of unknown guys. So Howell, I know he's getting a lot of love for Heisman and stuff like that. I would be a little weary, though, in that sense of just that his best skill group, again, that he's going to play with was last year. Uh, Their defense returns a lot of players. They are losing their middle linebacker, Chaz Surratt, who was like used to be a quarterback. Kind of honestly a very good story. If you ask me, I love UNC. I love Mac Brown, too. It just feels like it might be a little bit too much to overcome. Yes, they didn't really lose a ton of starters in a sense, like, numbers-wise. I think they return, like, still, like, on both sides of the ball, like, 14, 15 starters. But it seems like all the starters that they lost were, again, some of their most important players. So that scares me a little bit. And they do play Miami, so I guess that'll be the big game between them to see who goes and faces um, Clemson. But, again, it it scares me in the sense that Miami, outside of King – uh, unless he could kind of be a superhero, you know what I mean? I just don't think they really match up uh, too, too well. Obviously, they have a huge game, too, game one against Alabama. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a big game. I think if Miami – I'm not even saying to win. I don't expect Miami to go out and win that game. I think if they can go out and compete against a top team like Alabama, I think that can give them some real good confidence to um, to at least be able to compete and beat a lot of opponents in the ACC, including a team like UNC, I think they could possibly beat. So I think week one, I think it's a big game for them. Now, like I said, not, I know there's not many, uh, you don't want to make moral victories, but if you can go out and uh, compete against a, a top Alabama team, I think that can give you a lot of confidence heading into uh, ACC play down the road. Yeah, for sure. Um, definitely something that you could hopefully build on. And again, in a weaker ACC, like uh, you, you take Miami, you take Alabama to the, like to the final second or something like that. That'll definitely get the ball rolling for the future uh, and the rest of the season. Uh, moving on to the Big Twelve, I feel like the Big Twelve again. It's a two horse race. I know Texas is there with Steve Sarkeesian, but a new quarterback in there. I know they do have a good running back in Bijan Robinson. It's going to be so much fun to watch this year. But between Oklahoma and Iowa State, they were playing in the Big 12 championship last year, which Oklahoma ultimately won. I think it's going to come down to those two teams last year. Uh, again, this year, Spencer Rattler is obviously back at quarterback, the favorite to win the Heisman. And for good reason, obviously, such a for, uh, former top overall recruit in 2019, sat behind a year of Jalen Hurts and now is the starter for a second season. Lincoln Riley, obviously, a great um, one of the best offensive minds in all of football, college football world or, world, or even the NFL. So, yeah, uh, like I said, they had a tough start to the year last year, but they really came on as of late. But ultimately, I don't think Oklahoma will win this conference score. I'm riding with Iowa State and my boy Matt Campbell for 
like passed up the NFL this year to come back to Iowa State. They return almost everybody on both sides of the ball. I believe it's 19 starters. Brees Hall, again, another guy is a Heisman, a Heisman dark horse. You know what I mean? Probably the best running back returning. Uh, Brock Purdy, I think, is the biggest X factor there. Quarterback, after 2019 season, people were like, all right, maybe Purdy can um, potentially be an NFL quarterback at the next level and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You start doing mock tests. You're like, oh, Purdy sneaking into the end of the first round and stuff like that. 2020 was kind of a tough year for Purdy. He has to definitely look more like his 2019 self. And I think Iowa State, honestly, could have a chance to make a lot of noise in the college football world and honestly sneak into the playoffs because I think this team is very good and I love their head coach. Obviously, if you've been listening to this last year, you know I'm a big Matt Campbell guy. So I'm going to lean Iowa State here. And I guess my first a little bit upset pick. But again, Iowa State's the seventh ranked team in the country. It's not, I don't see this really a crazy upset in my eyes. Yeah, I think like, um, like you said, obviously probably a two team race between Oklahoma and Iowa State, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to give Oklahoma the slight edge just because I know both teams obviously returning their uh, quarterback, Brock Purdy, and Spencer Rattler, I just think getting um, Spencer Rattler going to be uh, his second year under his belt playing. I expect a big jump from him. Obviously, they lost uh, Ramondre Stevenson to the NFL, but they were able to acquire get uh, Eric Gray, the transfer from, from Tennessee at running back. So I think this Oklahoma offense is, um, is going to do some big things this year. And I think it'll be a nice race. But I think at the end of the day, I think Oklahoma definitely, I think they're going to win this conference and get into the college football playoff. Yeah, it'll definitely be good to watch. You mentioned uh, Gray, one of the running backs they got in the transfer portal. They also do bring back Kennedy Brooks, who was a opt-out in 2020, a guy who's had success in Oklahoma in years past. So, again, I think it's November 20th, Oklahoma hosts Iowa State. That could definitely be a preview of the Big 12 championship to come a couple weeks later than that. Uh, to wrap it up, I guess we'll wrap up the Pac-12 again. I feel like, especially on the East Coast, Pac-12, kind of a little bit of the forgotten conference in a sense. Again, I think it's a team, a couple of ranked teams in there like Washington, maybe even in Arizona State with Jaden Daniels this year can be a little bit dynamic. But I think the main two, again, the teams who played in the Pac-12 championship last year between Oregon and USC, I'll just lean USC here in a sense that Keaton Slovis, again, I'm all aboard his Heisman campaign. I think he's criminally underrated in a sense. Maybe it's because he does playing the Pac-12. But again, this is a guy who took that job from JT Daniels when he got hurt and ran with it and forced really JT Daniels to transfer. He's immensely talented. He does lose a Monrosian Brown, but J- Drake London, one of his favorite targets, does return. Uh, I think he definitely is going to improve his stock a lot this year. I think people are looking at him maybe maybe overlooking him in a sense that they'll go Rattler next year in the draft and maybe even Sam Howell behind him. But I think Keaton Slovis definitely deserves to be in that top of the order draft conversation for 2022. Oregon, they do have a Kevon Thibodeau who's probably the best prospect in college football in terms of a draft standpoint. Uh, They lose their quarterback. They do have to travel to Ohio State week two, which again is just a tough matchup. But uh, yeah, I'm going to lean USC here and uh, Clay Helton and hopefully that he can get the job done after kind of a disappointing uh, Pac-12 championship last year because I think Oregon didn't even like deserve I like or Oregon like was not supposed to be in that game I, I can't think all in the top of my head who's supposed to be there but Oregon ends up like stepping into that game because they were the next best team or whatever and then they win it all so uh kind of a sour note for USC if you ask me yeah I'm not sure actually who was supposed to be either but this conference honestly does have uh five ranked teams Oregon Washington Arizona State, USC, 
in Utah. But I don't know. This conference, I'm going to be straight up. I don't really – I'm not really knowing that much. I know Keaton Slovis, obviously, obviously um, should be a first-round pick next year. I mean, probably higher than that. I should say like a top – Top ten pick, he should definitely, he should definitely be. But I don't, I, I don't really know that much about this conference. Obviously, on the East Coast, probably should know more. I don't even know, or I'm gonna be honest, I don't even know Oregon's. Who's Oregon's starting quarterback? I probably should know that, but they, honestly, they, nah. Well, the guy, the guy just transferred last year. His name was uh like Tyler Strawn. He transferred to Texas Tech. They're going with Anthony Brown this year. Guy got a little bit of action last year, a little more on the mobile side, but. Again, I, again, at least from my standpoint, nothing that crazy like wowed me last year. That's why um, Payo is the is the big the the big college football guy. He helps me stuff like that. But I don't know. I, honestly, I'm I've been going chalk the whole time, so I'll just ride with with Oregon. You know, honestly, I mean they beat USC last year in that game when uh, Oregon obviously was not the better team. So I think this year Oregon. Uh, Oregon will beat them again when they have uh, higher expectations. I'll ride Oregon. Yeah, like I said, their defense should be uh, sneaky good this year. Uh, Penny Sewell's brother, actually, too, is the middle linebacker on Oregon. Fun note. Uh, they got to go running back, too. C.J. Verdo um, was good in that uh, their run last year. So, again, I, I'll lean, whatchamacallit, I'll lean um, USC in that conference. And honestly, I just hope that the Pac-12, again, they get a little bit more love. You know what I mean? Because it's good football out there. It's good high-scoring football. It just sucks that they're on at 11 o'clock at night on the East Coast and stuff like that. I know it's Saturday night and stuff like that, but you get, you get a little caught away, especially after whatchamacallit. A, 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 long, a long Saturday, let's say. But Dorian Thompson-Robinson, too, another guy in the Pac-12 will make a lot of noise this year, UCLA's quarterback, and they have a big game week one against LSU. Uh, moving on real quick. Before our game picks, we'll get to um, our playoff predictions in the college football playoffs. We'll just kind of go brief on those because we've kind of talked about these teams. Core, um, are we in agreement then? I mean, I guess I'll go first here. I guess my four playoff teams right here, I'll definitely go Alabama because I think they'll win the SEC um, and that'll get them in. Number two, I'll go Ohio State in a sense. Um, Number three, I'm going to skip for right now. But number four, I'm going to go Iowa State. I think if Iowa State wins the big 12 even with one even if they lose one of the game if they lose let's say a game um to oklahoma in the regular season in the big 12 but then they beat them in the big 12 championship i still think that propels them into that third spot and then i think that this other spot is really between clemson and georgia i think it comes down to and i'll I'll lean clemson only because i think if clemson loses that game in if Clemson loses the opening game, right, Clemson will still run the table probably in the ACC. They'll win the ACC title and with one loss probably sneak in. But a team like Georgia, right, if they lose that first game, um, and even if they win that first game against Clemson, but then lose to Alabama like in the chip, obviously I think you still lean, would lean Georgia over Clemson. But I don't know. I, I honestly think – I'm honestly leaning Clemson in the game anyway, so that's why I'll, I'll give Clemson the benefit of the doubt. A&M too, I would love to sneak in, but with A&M not – a&M would have to be Bama in my scenario for them to get in, which if they do, they're in, if you ask me. So uh, my final prediction will go Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Iowa State. Yeah, I mean, I'm a uh, have similar similar type predictions. I mean, four teams in the college football playoff, like you really don't have that much margin for error. Obviously, number one, I'll, I'll go Alabama. Number two, 
I'm I'm gonna go Clemson. I think Clemson beats Georgia um, this week, and then obviously after that, I think they I think they run the table. I think DJ Ugalele getting experience last year, Dabo Sweeney obviously a great coach. I think um, Clemson continues their dominance even without Trevor Lawrence. Number three, I'm gonna go Oklahoma. I think Oklahoma has a much better season than last year with a second-year quarterback, and then obviously. And number four, I'm just going the top, like, top four teams in the country. I'm going to go Ohio State. I don't think Ohio State is um is as dominant, but I still think they run the, the Big Ten, but I think the committee gives the other teams a, a little bit of a nod. So I'll go Bama first, Clemson second, Oklahoma third, Ohio State fourth. Very fair, very fair. I think that's uh, – like I said, I think we have like a similar thought process on the sense with the Big 12 champion getting in. Obviously, Ohio State and Alabama supposed to – and even Clemson supposed to win those other conferences. So that's fair. I guess we're moving on to the Heisman and core. I guess I'll let you go first. Who's your Heisman trophy prediction? And do you have anybody else you're trying to keep an eye on? Maybe a little bit of a longer shot. Yeah, with my uh, prediction, I'm going to go with the guy on, uh, on Clemson. I'm going to go DJ – Yuga Lely, uh, I think, I think he has he has a terrific season in his in his two in his two games this year. He um he was nothing short of um like I say spectacular, but he he was really good, especially as a as a freshman. I think that those games will help him. I think he'll come out with a lot of confidence this um this year and propel Clemson to a college football. Uh, playoff berth, but I'm uh, to a guy. I think Derek King, a possible sleeper. I don't know if Miami is gonna have like good enough. I know it's not like the awards, not really surrounded on team success, but I I don't know if Miami's like. I mean, usually the guy who wins the Heisman, like his team, is really good. And I don't know if Miami is good enough for for Derek King to win it, but I think Derek King. He's going to put up some uh, some really big numbers and be on some teams. Uh, I mean, some guys bored to possibly win the Heisman. I mean, Michael Penix, I mean, he's just a tough guy. I, I don't think I could really put him as a, as a dark horse sleeper. I just don't see him winning it. So I want to say him, but I'm, I'm not going to. So, yeah, I'll say Ugalele wins it, I think. De'Ara King, obviously people know who he is, but I'll put him as a, as a dark horse sleeper to, to win it. Yeah, listen, I like I like King as a guy who could potentially get to New York. I don't ultimately think he wins the award, but I think he should be in store for some big numbers. DJ, too, I think would probably be one of my most popular picks in a sense because he's going to have like an easier schedule in that sense. I think it might hurt him, though, because he might not play like full games maybe. But I'm going to go with two longer shots in a sense. And one of them will be Isaiah Spiller in a sense, again – I think A&M is going to be very good this year. And I think Isaiah Sim, uh, Isaiah Spiller will be the best back in the country. So, I mean, he's like 50 to one to win the Heisman too. So I think that is a very good value in there. And then my Heisman winner, again, 25 to one, I'll go Keaton Slovis. Um, I'm not going to try to pick between the top quarterbacks in the sense between Bryce Young and Spencer Rattler. And as, listen, I'm not really a big, I like, like Spencer Rattler is a good football player. I'm just not a really big fan of him personally. So that's why I probably I'll lean off him, but I think he has a chance to completely light up the big 12. Um, so, yeah, I'll go Slovis again in the offensive conference and stuff like that. He had huge numbers last year in a shortened season. So, 
I like him. I think USC then he propels USC to a big year and um maybe gets the much needed fame that he deserves. But that's gonna bring us into our game picks. Again, we kind of get all these teams that we're gonna talk about really in our game picks today. We kind of kind of we kind of alluded to almost and kind of giving you a breakdown of them. So we're kind of speed through them in a sense, core. Uh get that. First game of the week, core tomorrow night, or at least when you guys will be hearing this tonight, Ohio State as 14-point favorites at Minnesota. Last year, I remember Michigan opened up at Minnesota, and Michigan actually gave me so much false hope because Minnesota absolutely laid an egg. I know Minnesota returns their starting quarterback from last year, but look, early in the college football season, I want to go with familiarity. I want to go with people who I know, and yes, C.J. Stroud might be new there, but Ohio State, they return those skill players on offense, and I think ultimately they will pull it out. I think 14 points, honestly, is a little uh, – I think it's generous in a sense. I think, honestly, they win this game even bigger. So I'll lean Ohio State here. Yeah, I mean, I, I love P.J. Fleck from uh, from Minnesota. So yeah, he's a dog. I think, in, I think week one here with a, with a new quarterback, I think Ohio State gets the win, but I think possibly a little bit of some, like, rookie – not rookie. There's, like, first year later a little bit. I don't know. First game, but I think Minnesota covers plus fourteen. But I'll go Ohio State uh, here. I think just I think Ohio State obviously the better team, but you know I think fourteen points. You're saying it's generous. I think Ohio State obviously a lot better of a team, but I mean fourteen points for anyone is just a decent amount of points. So I'll take Minnesota plus fourteen. Obviously Ohio State to win the game. Yeah, it's very fair, very fair. Uh, moving on to Friday night. Friday night, the, uh, we got an ACC battle, UNC five-and-a-half-point favorites at Virginia Tech. This game has me a little bit of a bind in the sense that Virginia Tech last year went into Chapel Hill and beat UNC and kind of derailed UNC's chances a little bit, I guess, of making more of a splash. I know, obviously, they made a pretty good bowl, but um, I don't know. UNC only five-and-a-half points here, which I think is a little bit telling in a sense. I think not enough people – People will just look at Sam Howell and be like, "Oh, Sam Howell's back," but they're really not not understanding how many like how much yards from scrimmage they lost in their offense. So I'm going to lean Virginia Tech plus five and a half here. I ultimately think the like Sam Howell again, third year starting at quarterback, he'll pull this game out. But just to kind of like hedge my bet in a sense, you know what I mean? Like if Virginia Tech were to win, I'd be like, "Well, I had him at the spread." But yeah, I, I think I think UNC ends up um, pulling it out just because again, Sam Howell's been there for so long. Uh, I think. Um, yeah, I'll bet, I'll bet with the veteran quarterback in that sense here. So that's my pick. Yeah, I expect a, um, a pretty uh, explosive offensive game. I think Sam Howell makes a statement here. I know he lost a lot of uh, skilled players, but I think Sam Howell comes out and makes a statement here in, in the first game and then balls out. And I, I, I like UNC. I'll take them here. Minus five and a half. I think they win by a touchdown. Around there, which would obviously cover the spread. So, yeah, I'll take UNC to uh, cover five and a half. Yeah, moving on to our next game. Um, these are Saturday games now. Uh, we got a Big Ten battle, Wisconsin versus Penn State. I mentioned earlier, Penn State last year got off to a rough start in the beginning, and Grant Mertz got off to such a great start. So, simply, I'm going to go with Wisconsin there, kind of off that. Again, they bring back Mertz as their quarterback. They're running back to Berger. Uh, they have high hopes for him. So, yeah, five and a half points here, honestly. A game that maybe I don't know a ton about each team, but I'll ride with, again, more the veteran quarterback. I mean, Clifford's probably, honestly, more of a veteran than Mertz in that stance. But I'll, I'll hope that Mertz can uh, remake some of that early season magic from last year. Yeah, I'm going to ride with um, the Badgers here. I think at home, first game of the season, 
Um, Penn State definitely not have a good year. Wisconsin could have had a bad year. I'll go with the go with the home team here and take Wisconsin minus five and a half, and maybe Graham Mertz repeats what he did last year in his first game and uh, carries carries Wisconsin to a win and covers the spread here. Okay, moving on to our next game, we got your boys score Texas eight point favorites at home. Against the University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, a team that's definitely high up on my totem pole of favorite teams in college football. Last year, the Raging Cajuns, they opened up with Iowa State and they upset them. Another Big 12 upset, I think, is brewing. Texas eight-point favorites. I'm going to take Louisiana plus eight, and I'm going to take Louisiana money line. Uh, they lose Elijah Mitchell, their running back, but they do bring back Levi Lewis. And I think the Steve Sarkeesian era gets off to a tough start. Texas also has a new quarterback there. Bijan Robinson, their running back, is good, but I don't think he's going to be good enough. I think, like I said, Levi Lewis runs crazy. And Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns, win in Texas. <laughs> yeah, Levi Lewis, the lefty, I think – I mean, I, I kind of I, I like Texas as um, obviously as a team, but I don't know. I just don't like I, I think they usually fold under type, some type of pressure against decent teams. I think in week one, there used to be playing teams like UTEP where they just go in by 40. I think um, Louisiana, uh, a good team, obviously, last year, um, unfortunately, I think what their championship game got like COVID. It was yep. like a, yeah, yeah, so, yeah, I think I think Louisiana comes out hungry. I think Louisiana. I'll take Louisiana plus eight. I don't think Texas is good enough to to beat this team by over a touchdown. I, I'll give Texas the advantages to win the game, just because they're they're the, they're the bigger uh, school here. Steve Sarkeesian's debut. I'll give them the win, but I think Raging Cajuns plus eight is a uh, is a good bet. All right, moving on to kind of the two biggest games of the weekend, I guess we'll go with Alabama, 19.5-point favorites, uh, playing Miami. They're playing this game in Georgia, actually, at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Look, I love Alabama. Last year, it was almost like whatever Alabama is laying, you just take them. But I don't know. I like De'Ara King coming back. I think maybe a little bit more uncertainty in Alabama with no uh, Mac Jones this year, no Steve Sarkeesian. Might take a little long for Bryce Young and Bill, uh, Bill O'Brien to get on the same page. So I'm going to lean Miami. Uh, with the points plus 19 and a half, I think Alabama ultimately wins. And again, I just think 19 and a half points is just too much to cover. Uh, 19 and a half is definitely a lot to to lay, but I don't know. I, I said earlier in this podcast, if Miami could, uh, could, could play close against Alabama, it could help their confidence uh, for ACC play. But I did not say that it would be a close game. I said, if it, if they could keep it close, I don't really think it will be that close. I'll lay the points and take Alabama minus 19 and a half here. All right. Bold strike. Listen, it wasn't really too bold last year. I feel like you're always winning with Alabama. Last game of the weekend, uh, Saturday night game, Clemson versus Georgia. I think one of the most anticipated weekend games that there's been in quite some time. Uh, Clemson is three-point favorites here, and I'm going to go with Clemson. I think their defense is very good. As much as I love Georgia and JT Daniels coming back and Zamir White, I just think that Brett Venables, again, is just going to have something in store for them. And uh, DJ Ugalele, again, that experience that he got last year is huge. I think it might take them a little bit to get a rhythm with no Travis Etienne, but ultimately I'm going to ride Clemson here minus three. But I think, this, I think this could definitely go the other way. This is definitely one of the most unsure games I have about this weekend. Yeah, it's definitely going to be a really good game. Unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to watch it because I, I have a football game myself. But 
I, I think I think this is going to be a good one. I, I'm going to ride with Clemson here, definitely to win the game. I would not be surprised if this is a if this is a push and a three point win, but I, I'll I'll give Clemson the advantage and I'll take Clemson minus three here, and DJ Ugalele gets uh, the win over JT Daniels. Yeah, I, I I like how we're on the same page there. But uh, that's gonna do it for today's episode. Just a disclaimer too on the picks. Listen, we pick them, we don't bet them. You know what I mean? We we could give our insight on this. We don't have the crazy advanced stats that we bring up. You know what I mean? We're just two guys watching the game and stuff like that. We kind of and we we know our stuff, so we get we give a little bit of a pick. So hopefully, to help the listeners in that sense. Um, but yeah, core the deep ball. Uh, congratulates all athletes getting their season started. Obviously, you mentioned you're playing on Saturday, so hats off to that. But uh, yeah could be it for today's episode uh be sure to check us on the instagram at the deep ball underscore check out our picks and stuff like that core you want to leave off with anything nah not really i think we are covering most just um yeah good to have college football back nfl season the following thursday so it's almost that time and yeah good to uh get things going yeah listen happy start of the real start of college football season next week We'll recap the, that first week of college football, and then we got the NFL start, and I'm psyched for it. Uh, but take care, everybody. Have a good one.